Welcome to Singled Out, the ninth best Guild Ball podcast. Please stand by. Welcome to episode 57. In this episode, Andrew and Jason talk to Steve from the STF War Gaming Studio about the previous year of Guild Ball, and what they hope to see this coming year. is Randy. Hello, welcome to Singled Out, a podcast with some Guildball and bad internet connections. I'm Andrew and I am playing Masons Forever. Hammer for life. Hammer for life. Hammer for life. Yeah. Just sounds Jason. depressing. Uh, I'm Jason and I'm still going to say I'm going to play something else and probably not do it. And then play then play basic Black Hearts. Uh, or Vet Rage. Really? Yeah, I've branched yeah. out. I'm like you branched totally out exploring. to the captain of the union. That's good. Yeah, I'm exploring new avenues. Like, <clears throat> and who else is here today? Again, <laughs> <laughs> again with our seamless editing. Well, I'm still here, uh, and I'm still playing Alchemist, and, and I'm you still, still are? I'm still Steve from. Still, uh, still Steve. I'm still Steve, not this Steve, but the other one, and uh, I'm uh, the pundit for uh, for Oslo in Norway, essentially. Uh, I'm also doing a fair bit of content for the STF Wargaming Studio, uh, which is a YouTube channel you might find here and there. We do some content uh, or a fair bit of content for you for Guildball. That's also where I met uh, at least one of you lovely gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That's why you and Jason had a good time together, um, recording some stuff. Um, yeah, you've got lots of content, haven't you? A lot, a lot of content on, on your channel. Um, lots of um, Lord of the Rings. Um, stuff. See, yeah, our community actually started a lot around Lord of the Rings. It's also how uh, most of us got to know Guildball was through one of the 
large events that happened in, uh, called Articon in uh, Manchester in 2016, where Steamforge showed up and had a bunch of demo games. And it's the first time I tried the game. Um, we were basically handed a bunch of um, emblems as we arrived as part of our swag bag. I had no idea what it was all about. I was given a green thingy, uh, um, basically the Alchemist logo that I learned later was it. Uh, just given that in the hand on the way in, and but okay, so what's this? And here's a rule book for this. What's this game? Okay, let's have a look. About three, four hours later, uh, I was an alchemist team richer. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of um, Gilmore people are from Lord of the Rings, aren't they? Obviously, um, Mr. James Long is, um, JX is, of course, uh, Giblin is, uh, Ed Ball. A lot of them are sort of um, um, Lord of the Rings people, aren't they, originally? A lot of the Nottingham-based people are, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are, yeah. A lot of the southern people seem to be war machine backgrounds. Hmm. There is a fair few of those um, that sort of overlap in those communities. Um, we see quite a few uh, known people, uh, both in our sort of uh, Lord of the Rings uh, tournaments. And also, as soon as we see Guild Ball, we see almost like 30-40% same names. So we know a lot of the community, even if we actually haven't really been in it before now, about a year ago. How, um, how big is the, the scene for Guild Ball? over your way then what sort of numbers do you get at tournaments uh, we just barely get up to to the, somewhere between 10 and 20 players uh at least currently but we only have had a sort of really active community now the last roughly six months so right. it's um it's been a, a very long way make in the making and uh, it really it wasn't until i guess early uh, now, now last year uh, roughly year ago now that uh, myself and another one in Oslo uh, got a pundit status and started um, well pushing the hobby a lot more and the local store uh, eventually started taking the merchandise in and now half the staff at the store is also playing uh, so it's been fairly successful so far uh, and we started getting fairly reasonably good tournaments now the last uh, four months plus minus uh, now we have tournament roughly every month uh, and it's That's going good. fairly well do you get a lot of diversity in the guilds that you see being used or does the scene tend to gravitate more towards one thing over another it is quite diverse it is uh, seldom to see in our tournaments uh, a lot of one guild uh, there's i'm not sure uh, what you can call if it's a uh, a push towards one or the other, but you have the starter box skills obviously being mm. uh, always a few of them. Uh, usually, double only ones that have double up. But in most other cases, you'll see well, almost every guild will be represented. Uh, so uh, there's very few alchemist players uh, from so far <laughs> nationally. As far as I know, it's like three, maybe, maybe there's a few more that's hiding in the brushes somewhere, but I don't know about them. We can only hope they're not. Yeah, they'll probably light that bush on fire anyway. <laughs> no, I'm not an alchemist fan. <laughs> I have realized I've listened to your podcast before. It's oh, actually it's one of the just... first ones I've uh, I actually uh, noticed. So um, you uh, should be uh, honored that I'm a long-time listener. Oh, fantastic. That's cool, yeah. Up to five. Yeah. At this rate. 
2021, we might hit double figures. Now, steady yeah. on, Mountain, steady on. I plan, I plan yeah. to use some before then. Um, I thought, because seeing as it's January the 4th, uh, we'd do a, a end of year view. Not, not, end of, not end of this year, past four days. Um, and, and, um, last year, we should have done this episode like, I don't know, in December, but we ended up going on some Australian podcast instead and talking crap to some Australians and then realising that half of it was edited out for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, probably wasn't for the best. Um, so we thought we'd do one now. And and basically, it's going to be the same content as basically the one on, on Double Dodge, except with less Australians in. Um, so last year, there was Guild Ball. I think last year was, I guess for you, uh, Stig, it was the first year for Guild Ball, wasn't it? I almost uh, started basically in October 2016. So technically a little over a year, but not by much. I basically started at the same time as season three. So, yeah. Did you go to, presumably you didn't go to SteamCon UK last year then? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't that into it right there and then. Uh, I'd just also been to Articom, but that was in October, essentially a few weeks before. I heard about it and I understood what it was all about, but uh, I really hadn't gotten into the game by then. Um, so I've got a list of things here. Uh, we'll start with um, end of year awards, um, which is an um, entirely original um, question. What was the nerf of the year last year? Hmm. Nerf of the year. Nerf of the uh, year. Well, I'm, I'm, I might say something about uh, Midas and Vitriol and Harry, but... No, you can't swear. Um, yeah. Which one do you think, which one of those three is more significant? Because to me, the Midas one is a bit like the Shark one. You know? He still very much does exactly what he did before. It's just a little bit more reasonable. And the Vitriol one, I get, is a bit tough because she could do, she was very, had a lot of utility. But surely, did the Harry one hit the most because it changes your ability to do a reasonable 2-2 game? The Harry one is, I I agree, uh, the one that really I noticed the most. Mm. Uh, The Vitriol one, not the worst. She still does mostly the same thing. She still scores goals, but she just can't stand around being a beater as well, can she? Uh, no, she can't. Uh, they probably overdid the the nerf bat on her a little, honestly, but fair enough. I can live with as it is. But what I really noticed was Harry. That uh, changed mm. up a lot of the game since he uh, went from being a fairly solid control piece and a semi-beater to being a control piece and a useless beater. Yeah, uh, so you're really- basically back to only catalysts in lineup that really can do or put out a, a significant amount of hurt without being torn to shreds the next activation. I guess you've got you've got decimate. You do, but she's also still fairly brittle, and usually you need to pair her up with another one. That's usually how it's uh, ended up being now recently. It's been Decimate and Catalyst doing the best I can with those, and they're doing well by all means, but mm. it's um, it's a different game. It's a, a different bit of well, work you need to do to actually have do the same. It, it's a lot more work than, for example, what you had with Harry before that. I think that's fair, because I think at the end of the day, Harry was prevalent. Basically, you had the teams that could have Harry and the teams that couldn't. You saw um, him You saw him mm-hmm. everywhere, didn't you? Every guild that could take him to see him. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll put my hands up and say outside of uh, casual games or the Escalation League where I'm forcing myself to use players I don't use, I've, I've mm-hmm. completely dropped him from my 10. He's not played a competitive game since uh, mm-hmm. since the change. 
I still use them a reasonable amount, um, but it, it comes and goes a little bit uh, in compared to what I, I need from the game. But fairly frequently, he does uh, drop off. I, uh, I even replace him with, with uh, something as uh, odd as we been in, in in some cases. Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of Venom, and James Long has been on here several times. He's a he's a big was a big fan of Venom until um, he jumped ship to the fish. Because that's the kind of guy he is. Mm, so he goes from filth to fish. That's, that's, that's fair. <laughs> he just needed to crank it back up again. Yeah, yeah he's well, pay, he's painting farmers right now. Uh, he'll be a fresh player, a fresher player within the fourth night. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got a three-eight kick, and he likes to score goals. So that's his justification. That'll be his justification. If he... I am, of course, just slandering him. <laughs> that's what you do. Only slander podcast, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, it's true. That's okay. I love him really. <laughs> so, Jason, how about your how about your your nerf of the year, Jason? Uh, I I uh, I agree with Stig. I think um, I think the Harry one's probably the most significant one that's happened, or the most significant change. I don't know. I suppose yeah, straight up nerf. I would say Harry. I'd say the most significant change is probably Theron. What the nerf? No, just the change in well, general. That'd be, that'd be the next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> So that's why we were talking about having an agenda, so I'd know these things. Silence. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it's hard to. I think the avarice and greed one is a very significant change to how they play. See, that's not really nerve, is it? Because it's so different well, to how it was. That no, but people view it as that because they aren't taken as much as they were uh, ipso facto. They're therefore really not. not. Seen. I've seen them quite a lot. They've used in a very different way, aren't they? Now, no, nowhere near as much. Nowhere near as much. They're still. They, they, the big old threat was absolutely insane before, but now they're yeah. different role. Whereas, yeah. like Harry was just his straight up gone, his power levels just gone down significantly, and yeah, his yeah. selection has significantly gone down. So the next category then um, is buff of the year, buffer so, or fluffer, buff of the year. Oh, sorry, but well, you haven't answered your the question yourself, Andrew. I answered on the blog, on um, the blog, didn't I? Remember? I don't know. I did yeah? No one would have been listening to that, and if they had any uh, sense. Mine... My my nerf of the year was Shark. Um, not for the fact that it nerfed him, but mainly for the outcry of the internet about how he was nerfed. But actually, he's still really good. It's almost as good as the uh, the forums erupting after SteamCon last year, declaring that uh, uh, Marbles was absolute junk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants who wants double counter Shark? Only chumps take that. Yeah, terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sure, my my answer was on that podcast was um, was Shark because everyone de- well, not everyone but he was declared to basically be be a big slap in his face, the big deep buff, and obviously it was a deep, it was a big change to him because gun strings really good. But I haven't seen sharks take any less, and I haven't been any less scared of sharks than I was before because he's still got insane goal threat and he can still do what he does. It just means that it, you actually might have a turn <laughs> while he's standing still watching him run around. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just a little bit more interaction and, count, and, and counterplay, isn't it? When he pops that legendary, it's still as debilitating as it ever was. Minus it just means. Big deal, wasn't it? It's huge. It hurts more, some guilds more than others, obviously. But it's with positioning just... and, a, and a good dodge away after you score a goal, it's still amazing. So, mm. well, it still is very strong. I do see it uh, used here as well, a fair bit. Uh, so, uh, I certainly think that's a pretty significant change they had on uh, on Shark. But, uh, but I think I agree with that. It's 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 a fairly minor nerf comparatively, and he honestly really deserved that one. Same as in many cases, I'd say even. Uh, even I admit that Midas probably needed a bit of a bat to the face. 
Matt Midas needed a slight tone down, and Shark, like, the win percentage for the fish is still just exactly what it was. It's, like, changed a few percent. That, that All it's done, like, they're still as strong as they were. It just means that your opponents actually get to enjoy losing. Or at least play around extra. Yeah. Get, like, so you get to do stuff. So, buff of the year. Jason? Mm. Um, well, yeah, I've already popped my load on that one, I think. Uh, Theron? Go on, then. Why? Show you working. Show well, do I have to do it with or without the red pen from corrections? Uh, no, I correct it in red pen. You then correct it in green pen. That's how it works nowadays. Okay. Anyway. Um, is it? Yeah. It's, uh, it just makes him more efficient. It makes the team... It frees it. Well, I only played him a very small amount beforehand, um, so I can't speak with great knowledge and insight about how he played beforehand, but looking looking at the changes and what it does and having played him since the changes, you can see that the constraints that it put on him beforehand. So no, he hasn't got to necessarily activate first every turn because obviously Hearn got the same change uh, to Blessings so he can use it. Also, his playbook's just a bit more streamlined and efficient and uh, Sun... No, is it Sun? Yeah, Sunstrike. No, not only being able to Sunstrike himself is significant as well. It just just makes him more efficient and more playable, less restrictive in in what you have to do with that team because they've already got they've already got enough restrictions on them. They're already definitely you know that I'm not bemoaning anything because I think they're a very good team, but they're certainly one of the least forgiving teams. So they've already got enough restrictions without having a captain who is further handicuffed handicuffed handcuffed to um activation order and and so on i think also uh uh i don't know what else i think because i've forgotten good <laughs> um so stick buff of the year buff of the year well i would say probably hammer really for my sake um i also see him a lot more played now which is good it's good to get both teams uh, or both captains played a bit more um, though I'm a little uncertain where the buff came from, uh, from Steamforge or from Christian Metz, but <laughs> one of them anyway. Uh, so at least he made him, made him, or he's been championing him for a long time, and he's been doing great work with him by all means. Uh, but I think the hammer became well, more simple to play, so people can actually pick, pick him up. <laughs> and it's also a fair bit well, less complicated, I guess, is a way of saying it. So people can pick him up and they can actually understand how he's supposed to work. Are you saying the hammer is easier? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I'm saying he <laughs> used to be harder. The reason there was such indignation there from Andrew is because he's still rubbish with him, even though he's been the rat and changed. <laughs> I have won some games with him, though. <laughs> yeah. How old is your daughter? <laughs> 16 months. A win's a win. Hey, I'll claim any win. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been on the receiving end. I've had some bad times against Hammer pre the changes. I've, I always thought he was very strong, but I think, uh, like you say, it's just sort of streamlined his playbook. Although giving him the, the tackle knockdown is hilarious that you can't tackle anyone with close control. No, they just fall over first, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> it's just like, well, uh, it's the, the playbook result that everyone got most excited about, but in some situations is just terrible. <laughs> well, not terrible. But. I mean, before Hammer's playbook, um, I, I can't remember exactly now, so I'll probably be wrong. Um, but I can, if, if I'm wrong, I can edit it out. Um, I'm <laughs> his knockdown wasn't three hits before, wasn't it? No, it wasn't yes, it was. So yeah. I think tack seven, three hits. I mean, the few times I played him before the change, I was finding that 
the knockdown, whilst was was likely, it wasn't as reliable as you wanted to be, and I think he really needs it to get the damage in. The difference is, though, it used to be one damage in a knockdown, didn't it? Which could be three damage in a knockdown. So it's it's the knockdown is more reliable now, but then it's therefore reducing his damage output. But he's now got the momentous one on one. So if he wraps, he can take the high number, low number. Hmm. He also had the option to do the two damage knockdown and uh, perhaps the wrap if he's lucky as well. Yeah, I found um, his his legendary is now a lot more usable than it was. Um, but again, was, maybe fat owls. Well, yeah, okay. Um, maybe again because I didn't, I didn't use him much before the change, but um, his legendary can be pretty handy. Um, certainly, his six endurer isn't bad, and fact, fact, the fact that you choose the buff when you activate. Your model means you can have some quite handy sort of, you know, um, uh, changes well, gives, plans and things. It gives him tactical flexibility that he perhaps yeah. didn't really have because beforehand it was a heroic that relied on another model taking influence from another model when there wasn't any influence to take. Well, that's why people would, would be trying to suck off each other and actually there wasn't enough influence to go around. Yeah, Hammer's going to generally use what between six and seven, isn't he, or maybe eight if you want, you want to go for it. Um, so yeah, I think that really did help him out. Um, I mean, I, I've tried him out the past sort of few weeks, and I've quite enjoyed using him. Uh, my, my main difficulty with him now is learning to use his knockbacks to my advantage and sort of use them to steer people around and get better threat ranges and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, um, as as Christian said a while ago, uh, I think uh, a lot of his strength is in his ability to move people around with his knockbacks and get threat. And I think mm. if you're if you're a good hammer player or a bad hammer player, I think the difference is how well you use that because pushing him forward and killing people can be Obviously, fun, but I think using his, his maneuverability um, and making sure he's not overextended is is really what you've got, got to do with him. Yeah, I think so. Uh, here's a bit of a, a conundrum for myself. I see a fair bit of people that do play him here, but they usually just just use him as a, a well a knockdown and beater, and <coughs> they don't use him as much as this kind of repositioning tool that I also see the, the games I've seen from some more experienced ones. It probably also speaks a bit to the, well, I suppose I wouldn't call it immaturity, but young, young age of the meta that's here. I think uh, the, the trick is like people will go in with him and just expect him to kill stuff and so don't really think about if they don't kill him positioning the model to do something. Mm. So a lot, lot of people will use him to just surf further forwards with knockback. But then if they fluff a dice roll or whatever and he's overextended, like any 3-1 tough-eyed model, they, once they've crowded out... going down. Yeah, if they're overextended, they go down. Like They go down slowly, but they go down. And leaking so, momentum as well. The next um, category I've got here is Dark Horse of the Year. I'm not quite sure what that means because it was Modern's categories. So <laughs> Dark Horse of the Year. I guess that means a, mo- a model that basically has sort of risen up to be good people thought were bad Hemlock Hemlock yes love Hemlock Hemlock's fantastic Hemlock's so underrated I mean again I'm speaking very much from personal experience because I can't talk for every guild uh, but yeah like Hemlock I think uh, people I don't think people really using her that for, for quite a while but well Actually, maybe I'm still not seeing her use that much, but I think she's really good. <laughs> well, when, when, when was it we had the episode where we made you do your, do your homework and take her to a tournament? That was a while ago, wasn't it? Mm, it was March or April. And you took her on yeah. Hemlock and Fangtooth, wasn't it? Right? Hemlock, Fangtooth, Snakes. I took both captains, both mascots. Hemlock, Fangtooth, 
rage, uh, snakeskin, and I think gutter. And out of those, basically, Hemlock is the best dark horse, is it? Well, yeah, because gutter isn't really a dark horse. She's no, not really. It's good, but I guess she yeah, has he- a tackle on one hit, doesn't she? Momentously. Well, she's got momentum on every column of her playbook. She's got a four-long playbook. She's got a double push, double dodge at the top of the playbook. She's defense six when she takes a parting blow. She's got a three-six kick. She's got blind. She's got noxious blast, smelling salts, magical brew. She's just awesome. She just sits back doing chip damage to multiple models, putting out conditions, messing up people's momentum uh, expenditure, being nippy, distracting people. And if she gets killed, like, eh, don't really care. She's not a key piece, but... <coughs> she's also got some very, very um, useful character plays. She's just got a fantastic toolbox. Not just Blast seems really good, doesn't it? Early, early doors, because people don't want to shake off poison, and they're sort of taking full damage, basically, from the poison Not just Blast, aren't they? If you do it late, late in the turn. Like, yeah. Um, difference, can't it? It's also really handy against... Um, I've played a couple of games, games against Obulus players, where you stick that down on him at the end of turn one, and he's down to ten health at the start of the next turn. That puts him in a very bad place. And in fairness, that's applicable to any 14 health model, but just more. There's not many captains who you can put in such a vulnerable place so reliably. Quite true. But it also sounds a lot like she is, well, your average Alchemist player. So by that pro- by proxy, then I'm sure you're saying Alchemists are a good team, yeah, Jason? No. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I actually really like Midas. But it's just the smoke game. I just find it so. Just all the AOEs having to move around them. I find you waste so much of your own clock time trying to careful be careful that you don't nudge your opponent's AOE. It just feels a bit meh. <laughs> a frustration. Hmm. And uh, talking about smoke, that uh, seems to be at least the one that I've noticed has started to become a lot played after mm. the Midas nerf. So I would say she's probably within the region of being a dark horse, even if it's more like a dark smoke. Yeah, yeah I fun, wasn't right. it? So how do you play it? Okay. Do you have a back, back as a sort of a, a, a sort of a AOE multiplier, or do you have a crazy goal threat or a bit of, bit of A, bit of B? Well, I've tried both. I'm not sure which I would say I prefer. I still prefer the Midas game, which is faster and has a, a bit higher risk too, but the smoke hanging back a la what you see on uh, certain other channels, uh, I find it incredibly boring. But I have, uh, uh, yeah. It's fair, but it's efficient and can be done sometimes. I have done so a few times. I'm not sure if I... Uh, did so to just try it or just because I was a little annoyed at the person I was played at and just wanted to teach him a lesson or something. I don't know. But, but still, I don't know. I don't find that kind of game very satisfying. But she did see a, a lot of rising play after <coughs> Midas got that uh, nerf and that sort of normal constellation for alchemists sort of broke up. It's, it's interesting that you say about the... Uh... Because, I, I mean, that's one of the things I would say that I don't like about Smoke is the non-interactive play style. But I suppose the question could be fired back at me, like, how interactive is it when I ram Rage down someone's throat and delete a model or two in an activation or three, as I did the other day? Like, that's not really an interactive play experience either. So it's a hard one to to really get hold of, I think. And, and because, of, like I say, like, the reason why I don't like something is because it's un- non-interactive, but I'm probably guilty of that as well. 
have found a fair bit of fun using her uh, as essentially a, a basically putting it up as a striker team. Just putting every striker I can get my hands on in one team mm-hmm. and smoke uh, makes for a pretty strong goal threat uh, team as well. And that's an interesting fun game to do as well. But it's often very hit or miss. Either you win 3 0 in 27 minutes or you lose 12 0 in 48 minutes. I suppose this, that's kind of the way with any goal scoring team. But actually, we have a player. In our, there's a player in our area called uh, Maria, and she mm-hmm. um, quite regularly plays, or she only plays Alchemists, and she pretty much only plays Smoke, I believe. And that's very much what she does: is uh, vitriol, uh, mist, smoke, and just go for the goals. And may, maybe a um, a witness me on occasion, I believe. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but that is what she used to do. Yeah, I've, uh, I think I actually started picking up that lineup. Uh, to try it basically because I saw her lineup uh, last year Adventures I believe mm-hmm. so okay that looks an interesting lineup I have to give that a go and I did and it's actually quite good fun but it's uh, at least for me so far with the experience I've had it's extremely hit miss but it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting lineup that I'm certain to use more in the future I expect it's because Smoke has a similar Similar issue to Blackheart, although slightly different in that. Do you need to put a timestamp in for how long before I mentioned Blackheart, Andrew? Um, 29 minutes. Yeah, slow episode. Um, In that she is good at scoring goals, but rubbish at getting the ball. She needs other people to be getting the ball for her and then Mm. to her. Or she needs the ball to be loose because her tackle, like Blackheart's, is just garbage. Yeah, a four attack and a tackle on a two or a four, if you want it momentously, is not exactly what you'd be looking for. Yeah, and I also found it very odd. She actually only has pushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's uh, what is it? Non-momentous one on one, a tackle on two, and a single push, and then uh, two damage on three, and a double Double push. push, Is it? And then a momentous tackle push on four. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, not, it's a bit of an Zero- odd one. Not Zerola crap, but crap. <laughs> oh, I did have one occasion where it actually ended up being quite funky, where a charge basically, in this case, I charged the bear, of all things. What mm. else are you going to charge with smoke? That seemed sensible at the time, don't ask. Uh, and I basically got a very solid wrap, so and ended up essentially getting a four-inch push, uh, gave me the momentum I needed, so I then... Cloud jumped forward and scored the last goal. That was kind of funky. But I don't think that happens very often. Uh, I think, actually, similarly to in the Zerola comparison, her playbooks, she's not really about the playbook, though, is she, Smoke, at all? It's not, it's not, Uh, the playbook's not where she gets her work done. No, she's from her momentous inspiration, her, and her character plays, really. That's what Smoke is really all about. I will. It's a good question to see, but I think momentous inspiration is a fantastic character trait to have as well. No, I like her and Ballista—they just like certainly going forward in the game. Something like one of the things that attracts me to the hunters is just that ability to. Well, I suppose it's just based on Theron, but the ability to generate momentum at range is just such a strong tool. Particularly, it gives you the ability to. It makes the kick receive role almost less important to you because you don't need the ball 
to give yourself a chance of winning the turn two initiative. I guess one difference between smoke and um, Theron and um, Blister is that smoke can't generate her momentum, can she? The, the two can? Right. She gets it from her legendary, doesn't she? If she does get one, yeah. But, you know, it's okay, it's uh, unlike Blister and Theron, but she still has the ability to do it, and that's you can potentially have uh, what, three other models, yeah, because you could have Hemlock, you can have Cat, uh, Catalyst, sorry, um, Calculus, and Mercury all benefiting from it. Yes, so it's a it's a fair bit, um, and that's uh, well. Generally, you'll have two of them, so you'll have more than likely Mercury and Calculus, mm. and sometimes you also have Harry with you uh, if you want an extra fire running around. Yeah. But- he doesn't do it, though, does it? Because his Molotov doesn't damage a target. No, no, he doesn't. So he doesn't get the momentous inspiration part. That is very true. Uh, he does, however, put out even more fire. And he's got rising anger, so he can generate new momentum by getting hit. Uh, I think. I just think it's such a strong ability. I don't. I think. I don't think it's people will appreciate it enough. So, how about the um, changes over the year, uh, back and forth of the OPD? Silence. I thought I'd let Stig go first on this one, but I suppose I'd probably need to say over you to you, Stig, what do you think? That rather than just, yeah, not saying anything. You're the one who at the start of the podcast always goes on about, don't worry about long pauses, the editing software edits them out. Well, it does, but doesn't it doesn't edit out people being silent for no reason and just making... Stig, what do you think mm. of the changes to the OPD? Changes to the OPD? Hmm. It is, ironically enough, not something I really noticed very much because I didn't really start using the OPD until basically it changed. So for me, the changes for the, to the OPD only really are the ones that came uh, came the last few times now. Uh, but we, I noticed sort of we just started using them essentially in the community uh, when it changed. So it really didn't get time to get in there and actually by the time people started actually playing the normal OPD rules, uh, it was, was it two months before it changed and then before you started picking uh, Captain Mascot first. And now they changed it again very recently to pick captains, then roll the dice for kickoff, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, it's changed now that you do plot cards, uh, roll for kick, receive, then you blind pick captains, your mascot, and then you um, carry on as you used to. So whoever is uh, receiving plays first player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, so that was a change that came only well, a few weeks ago, I guess, uh, now, isn't it? Yeah, just before Christmas, I believe it was. When was the change to only one member of the union playing? Was that this year or was that last year? Yeah, that was uh, the week before Vengeance. I mean, that's, that's a big change. I think um, I certainly approve of that one. Um, it's mm. nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before, sometimes you saw sort of some teams that were almost pure union teams, and you meant Al- there was a lot Alchemist. less sort of yeah, Alchemist being a big example there. Um, mm. There's a lot less sort of team variation, wasn't there? There was a fair bit of it, as far as I know, and I I never actually played it without without um, the only one union choice. So uh, I'm actually uncertain how it was a lot before. So that's a little bit odd perspective for you. Uh, it used to be <coughs> very, you'd get a very high representation of union in um, butchers and uh, alchemists because everyone would take, des- this is before changes to things like the uh, the owner and that. So you'd get like 
when they were just friendly models. So you'd have Decimate, Gutter, and sometimes Rage because he brought Tooled up. And then you'd just get models inside the owner and they just like on legendary turns, like Decimate doing momentous four on two hits and Gutter just destroying the world. Oh, she still does that, just slightly oh, yeah, slower. If you could only take one member of the union, I think certainly people would take less of the sort of utility pieces. But certainly, certainly a good change, I think. Uh, same with the change to the OPD now that um, it's... I think it means some captains are going to be more, taken more often. Do you think, Jason? Yeah, uh, I, I I definitely think so. I think <coughs> it certainly, again, just drawing on my own personal experiences, like beforehand, I against certain teams like um, alchemists, anyone who's got like a lot of ranged sort of control, I tend to go for vet rage just because if you're doing damage to my captain or controlling him with deadbolt or whatever, at least I'm getting momentum to carry on doing stuff. But at least now if I know that I'm receiving, I can take Blackheart without having to worry about because I have the ball to generate momentum to get me going forward still. Um, so that's my own personal I think also, I think for Masons it's significant because Honor likes to kick and Hammer likes to receive, doesn't he? But I certainly think that's the case. Um, I think it probably won't make any difference with Butchers because people other than Greg Day, who's a champ, will still think that um, uh, Ox isn't viable. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think you'll see a lot more fillets than Ox, won't you? Yeah. Really? yeah. Well, how do you find over, over your way then, Stig? Do you see much Ox at all? I see quite a bit of Ox, actually. I've seen more Ox than Fillet currently. Yeah, we do. Uh, we don't have a, a very large amount of, uh, of Butcher players, but the ones we have, um, fair few of them play uh, Ox, not quite religiously, but not far from it. Uh, there, there's a, what, what was the guy said? Um, uh, it's one of our club members. Uh, he's the man. You've got to use the man. It's true. He is a very iconic uh, part of Gilball. Like I think Honor as well is also a very iconic figure, more so than some of the other captains. But yeah, Ox is just he's Ox, isn't he? He's the boy. He is the boy, the the legend, the owner. Yeah, by all means. I he's I'm still a... I'm still a lot more scared of Philip than I'm of Ox, though. Oh, well, he got in on second place last uh, tournament we had, so he play he's playing well. But I think I. I personally think a well-played Ox is better than Philip. That's my own personal opinion. I just think she doesn't make the team better and her whole team is then geared up to making her better. A bit like Thresher, really, whereas Ox makes everybody else in his team better. True, true. He's also and, support captain, super solo thing, isn't it, really? And he gives a lot to the team, not just for character plays and things, and his free tooled up, which is just bonkers. But uh, he gives influence to the team as well, so other models are getting stuff done. Whereas Phillips always taking from the team. She's she's taking it for um, she's taking six influence. She's taking two for swift stance. She's taking one for tooled up. She's taking two if she needs to be quick, quick foot or quick time, whichever one the vet brisket has. I can never remember. Quick foot. The time. Time. I don't know. I don't know. I wish they'd called them something like happy feet and jumpy boots. <laughs> Something you can remember, you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Happy feet and jumpy boots. Yeah, I mean, it, that it might be design emails. Could be honest, wait a minute now, isn't it, Jason? I, yeah. look, I played Perkins the other day. I threw some new ideas at him. Watch this space. Is all I'm saying. Well, maybe you should have beaten him then. Yeah, uh, true, <laughs> true. <laughs> 
you're bad, man. You don't need to bring that memory up. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, some of the changes are pretty good. Are there any changes to the OPD we don't like? Uh, I think it's fairly solid as is, and we'll see how it, it develops. I don't think they're done with the OPD yet. Oh, no, definitely not. Because they'll change um, as new things get added to the game, won't they? Like, if the GIC's things becomes an actual thing, or um, and perhaps the, the new plot cards will presumably change the OPD because they change the way that the turn mechanic works. Yeah, more than likely we'll see a change at the same time as they come in. Uh, at least I find that very likely. No one mentioned painting. Disappointed. Uh, no, because I I'm ambivalent to it. Like I don't enjoy painting models. It's no secret. Um, I have Martin chained to his painting table delivering me models um and to me it's <coughs> like i'd rather people just came and play the game like i I, put, I admit i don't want to go to a tournament and play everyone with unpainted stuff but i'd also like to go to a tournament and play new people so if if the if the thing restrict if the restrictive entry to, for some people is that they they don't want to paint models i'd rather they just came and play as opposed to not and like a lot of people say it's uh it doesn't look good on the stream well i know myself and andrew and i presume stig you did as well watched several of the games from um certainly SteamCon usa and SteamCon uk and at no point did i think oh i'm not enjoying this because those models aren't painted i mean from the height of the camera you can't tell which models which anyway unless it's um got a striking pose or whatever regardless of how they're painted do you think it does make people not want to play the game uh, having pain, pain models? Uh, I would. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. Well, neither do I. Is what I'm asking. You. I'm, I'm not sure how much of an issue it is in terms of people not wanting to play because of the painting. I mean, well, from, certainly I, in bigger games like Warhammer 40k, those games obviously paint thousands of models and everything else or hundreds of models. Uh, but I'm not sure there's a problem in Guild Wars. I, I don't know. I haven't really had heard anyone say that before, but it might be a problem. I'm not sure. Well, so, from yeah. like my own personal experience, like time management and things that like, I want to play hunters at a tournament but I just I haven't got time to paint them so I'm having to borrow other people's all the time I mean again that's my own personal situation but there may be people who've only got one team and you know don't want to paint them well from the perspective of basically building a community which is what I'm basically doing now then uh, the OPD change is good you want the that's new players in for yeah. uh, any cost, essentially. And if that cost is not painting for a few weeks or months or whatever that is, so they can participate in tournaments, that's all good, really. I also have had a few of these uh, rounds when uh, introducing the game, and I said, well, well, I can't be bothered playing because I don't have time painting. So then I basically can tell them then, if I told you that you can take that box, go up and play a tournament in 10 minutes, what would you say then? Uh, how much is the box? Is generally the reply. Well, I guess from your point of view, with a with a with a community that's quite young and quite quite um, in need of growth. I mean, in, in your situation, it, it sounds like it is, it is a good thing. It is a good thing for a growing community, uh, but it's also, of course, uh, still all in, up in all up in all of this. Uh, you also keep need keep to need to keep in mind that uh, the tournament organizer. Always has to always has a fair bit of thing to say on that. So if they want 
specifically for their tournament painted models, they are still free to do so. Yeah, and, uh, so it's not really, it's down to the TO and it's not restricted by the OPD. And that is perfectly fine by me. And that's what uh, Mark's done, hasn't he? And he runs, was it 78% of UK tournaments? And he said that um, they've got to be painted at the Heroic Play associated yeah, events. So, you know, it's down to the TO. Like, and I completely, I completely support that as well. Um, you know, oh, I tell you, what, one change I do like actually that sort of goes under the radar. I didn't get mentioned is the uh, if you've got the model, you can play it. So you haven't got any more. And I say this without it wanting to come out wrong. You've got no more of this like, well, you can pay it if you make a charity co- contribution justification for things. I right, fine. You've got the models, just play them. Yeah, that's also um, a change that I really whole, didn't whole even notice. Sort of, but it makes sense. Uh, totally legal at a certain date, sort of. Yeah, there's no more ambiguity about it because you'd always get these. But this tournament's allowing this, but they're not. They're allowing the first farmer's box, but they're not allowing Tater because it's not general sale. It's like fine, you've got the model, you've got the card, put it on the table, play it, fine, go. It's certainly a lot simpler. Yeah, I'm. I'm all for it. Like I just my my own view on it is again sort of linked to the painting. You want to play it, put it on the table. I'll figure out how to deal with it. Whatever. It concerns me about people having access to models that some people don't. Uh, if you're at a very competitive tournament, that does concern me a little bit in terms of people having access to things because of virtue of being able to fly somewhere. Or but if or the game's balanced, it. it's irrelevant. I, I guess so. Um, because just because they've got access to it, if if their stuff is as balanced as your stuff, it doesn't matter if they've got access to it. For, it's more because idea that everyone should ha- everyone should be able to get access to the same stuff at all times. Um, they should. But, but then, if we do that, then Steam Connor in position, Steam Forge in a position where do they have to pull the plug on early release stuff? Which would you rather? Which, yeah, what's the lesser true. of two evils? Mm-hmm. I mean, many people are very happy to get their hands on the blacksmith. Was it blacksmith blocks two that we got early at SteamCon UK? I can't uh, remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. So you know, and a lot of people are very happy to get that, and are. America, America, our Australian brethren are very happy to receive them down under. So, I, I, I have no issue with it. I say just crack on. I yeah. think it's a simplification, simplification that is actually mm. fairly useful for the game. Mm. To just make it, it's like this. If you want to change it, you still the TO change it if you want to. But this is our position. That's basically yeah. what they're saying. And I think that's significant because because Steamforge. And drawn their line in the sand, said this is where our standpoint is. There's, is, there's no ambiguity on there that we know that they're happy. They've released it. It's out there. Crack on. Yeah, I think that's very fair, and I think it's uh, generally what we've been seeing that for the most part, Steam Forge wants us to play games, and yeah. that makes sense, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does. I guess so. Um, so. Final one is most anticipated thing this year. Pick mm. one thing. Just one? Yes, one. Oh, my God, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm really uncertain about that. If the um, only one, but okay, I'll just do one that at least we know about, and that I guess would be Ratcatchers, the Minor Guilds. I like it, a nice umbrella. Just say, just say Minor Guilds, then you don't have to be pigeonholed for one specific one. Yeah, well, I do play uh, morticians on my off time, so to say. So uh, I do enjoy them, and I am looking forward to having a go at them as well. 
uh, of course, I can I can hint at you to some other things that I'm also uh, looking forward to, so you can take them in the next segment. But let's not go into that. Uh, but it is basically the expansion and this sort of change of structure that probably was inevitable when you see the sort of change of structure that's coming with the mining guilds. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not sure if it's a good or a bad change, but it's a significant change, and I'm looking forward to see how it plays out. What, so, what, what do you mean by not sure? What the minor guild? You're not sure if that's a good or bad thing, or the changes to no access to union. And, yeah. and, and indulge me. I'll indulge you, Jason. Of course. Fantastic. Uh, it is essentially looking at this very change, or almost like a paradigm change in how you select your team. So you're losing the access to union that you're used to. You're getting in the mining guilds, which you per now have no idea if it's a good or a bad thing. Uh, it might be very useful for balancing issues and probably will help a fair bit in the further development for their for Steamforge focus on what to what to focus on uh, at the time. But we're still, or I'm still uncertain whether or not it's a good or a bad change. It's just a very significant change that I'm looking forward to see how it will play out. But very uncertain how, I said, uncertain how it will actually turn out if you're catching my drift there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from personally, from very selfish reasons, um, I can't wait for all the minor guilds to come out because then I'm hoping that when no one's got access to Union, they can um, give a few of the players a little tickle. Because they haven't got to balance them for six guilds anymore. That's very true, and very likely you'll see that as well. But uh, maybe they'll be tuned up or down. We'll, we'll see. But it's, but it is also as we also as I discussed with some of the people that's developing it. That they're when they're developing with one of the union union models, they're not developing one model. They're developing like five, six models. They just happen to be the <coughs> same model. As they need to be uh, balanced and work in the different guilds as well and be balanced within those as well. So it is a pretty tricky one. Then. They are basically creating a better design space for themselves to work on. I think that's a good thing for the game overall. So, so Jason? Hashtag, hashtag play Fangtooth 2020. You might that's be my, there. You might be that's, there. That's my commitment to the game. Oh man, what am I most looking forward to? Um, outside of certain events like tournaments, I reckon probably the plot cards. I think I think I think Stig's very graciously already nailed uh, minor guilds, so I can step away from that one. Um, <coughs> but I think plot cards. I think that's going to be very interesting. Really shake up uh, the game as we know it because we've had three seasons of plot cards, um, three different hands of plot cards some of them have repeated themselves back round again but actually having plot cards that uh, influence how the turn mechanic works and only having one having having to play a plot card from five uh, and it having a global effect or an effect that can be triggered during the turn but it's open and it's out there and both of you know about it that's really going to change the tactical space of the game i think uh, i probably will change the turn strategy or the initiative order and mm. it will basically change the the maintenance phase i would imagine quite a bit i'm also interested to see how many of these cards we'll see i wouldn't like to see like 30 cards each because that would be ridiculous and it will never actually get there but no I, they've I, um, I they've we'll said see. isn't it 
you get dealt, I believe, um, I believe you get dealt seven each from mm. a shared deck of 18, didn't they say? And yeah, it's slightly, slightly more than, than double, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, so basically yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll see a chunk of them and there'll be a few that no one sees. Mm. So come back it now, really. They're scaled up. Yeah, slightly scaled up and probably scaled for a, a typical game, five, six rounds maybe. And if you use all of them, I assume you reshuffle. Yes, uh, but I don't. I can't. I don't. I can't remember if they've confirmed, and I can't remember if I even know. I can't remember if you reshuffle the whole deck and redeal, or if you just reshuffle, or if you just recycle your five again. I can't, I can't, I honestly can't remember. Um, I imagine it makes more sense to do the entire shuffle. It's it's not that much work. It'll be interesting because it'll, it'll change how momentum works so much. Mm. Yeah, it will. It'll also, uh, we also see how it goes with this kind of momentum race, how that'll change how with these cards. Because yeah. Yeah. So often you, well, you often end up sort of in this kind of race with your opponent trying to get more momentum so you can get the first activation of next turn. Mm. But, uh, if you know you have a strong initiative card uh, lying there and you're aching to use it, um, then that uh, race is suddenly not so important. You can actually focus, for example, for Masons a lot more on the non-momentous results, you don't actually need the momentum right there and then, and you can you can use the white results and get in some extra damage here and there, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah actually, actually, a lot, lot of factions have damage that's momentous that can you know maybe use more of as well. Mm. A lot of players just have janky non-momentous playbook results that you, you just always ignore because you're like, I want the momentum, but it sticks quite right. It'd be interesting to see also how <coughs> how it affects. High momentum teams and low momentum teams. Well, the well, the high momentum teams decide that they take a uh, a low initiative card because they know that which is pres- presumably more powerful. So that they uh, because they know they're going to get a lot of momentum. So you, your butchers and farmers, and then they get a, a stronger buff. And it, vice versa, will your low momentum teams take a lower power card with a higher initiative buff so that they uh, potentially get the the, the chance to go first and just mm. to see the tactics in that I think it'll change a lot of the the standard tactics we see right mm. now with just let's get some momentum and go first so we get a basically a double activation mm. that's one of the strongest things we see especially with the, the farmer that shall not be named uh, it's the double activation, right? That it lasts of the first and then first on the second because it's generated more than enough momentum to um, essentially do a back-to-back activation and by that can essentially kill anything. Yeah, I mean, again, similarly with Vet Rage, you can quite easily turn his four influence into double figures momentum on your first activation of, of a turn and then you, <coughs> you've already won the initiative for the next turn before your opponent's done anything because you have more momentum than they've got influence. Yeah. Uh, so those situations might change. It depends yeah, also, of absolutely. course, how it plays out or how much this buff actually is. If you're looking at, for example, you can have a, a initiative at like five or six extra. I don't know. I have no idea about them, but uh, it's pure guesswork looking at something like that. And I am also pretty sure, if I remember, or at least uh, fairly sure, I'm guessing at least we'll have 
maybe uh, initiative cards belonging to guilds? What do you think? Um, I haven't heard any indication of that. Uh, I'm, no, I don't no. think it'll happen with GICs as well. Well, you certainly will have GICs uh, for that. But, uh, I, I don't kind of thing, but I fear that I think... Maybe they're doing something like that. At least it's something that, uh, at least in my mind, would be pretty cool. But then is that is that not really what GIC kind of does anyway? Because it gives you a kind mm. of unique guild buff, and then you've got uh, big league cards which are getting updated as well. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm with Andrew. I've not heard anything about that. I'm not so sure. No, I've really, really not heard anything about it either. It's just a um, basically uh, maybe a dream, maybe. Or Maybe a wish, or a nightmare. I'm not sure yet. What um, what are you looking forward to then, Andrew? Um, I think more masons. It's unlikely. I mean, there's been no talk of any masons uh, minor guild yet, has there? Um, so if there, I mean, assuming that you know we get sort of three or four minor guilds next year, I don't think masons will see until at least this time next year. I don't think. No. It's a shame. It's, you know, I want to pay more masons. Should have got your votes, and you would have got a veteran decimate. I voted. I did my part, Jason. <laughs> do you think... Um, sorry, well, while we're talking just quickly on the minor goes, do you not think the Masons and Brewers would be front-runners to get an early release to tie in with the um, kick-off? Yeah, you thought so. But I guess the kick-off box set was a while ago now. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly I'd have, I'd have thought that. Um, obviously, they don't think that because they did it. <laughs> um yeah, true. I'm not sure as as to the order they've released them in. I mean, um, we Matt said said the podcast a while ago about maybe guilds that need a bit of help first and stuff. And I don't I don't bemoan the guilds have got theirs first at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, wish, um, I, I wish they were being released f- more uh, faster than they are being. But then at the same time, like Matt says, people who collect them collect lots of them. Like um, Pete down my way, he, he's got every guild. If they've got to buy oh, them too. all, have you? I've got the others. All right. Why did you just play Masons then? Why would you do that to yourself? Because they're great. You're not. Um, uh, but yeah, so the rat catchers and the falconers, obviously, the hunters and um, morticians are generally low represented guilds who tend to be not overly successful. My suspicion is that the third one will be the Sulthesian Guild because I, I assume so because they were mentioned in the in the keynote in the US, weren't they? Yeah, so. I don't think they would have spoiled them if they're not on the horizon. You don't no, know Steamforge, but I don't it, think so. I doubt it. So I think you're looking at at least what end of the summer. I think before we see anything else. Yeah, it seems like a fairly unusual step for them to say, "Look, look this is coming," and then not do it soonish. Well, relatively soonish, anyway. I mean, if, yeah. we, if, if we assume it's going to be over the course of two years, that's an entirely arbitrary number, isn't it? Um, it could be longer than that. Um, so I don't think I'll see anything for the Masons this year. Uh, but then again, who knows? I mean, obviously, we don't we don't have certain taller than what we've seen in the keynotes, so it's entirely guesswork, isn't it? Mm. So what are you looking forward to? Then, uh, I, I was going to say, say the plot cards as well, because I think the plot cards okay. will be a huge change to the game structure. I think they'll mm. mix it up. Um, it's no secret. I'm not a big fan of some of the, plot, some of the um, plot cards. I think some of them are way overpowered. Uh, knee slider. I, I think knee slider is is guilty of a lot of issues with with goal scoring. Um, yeah, non interactive play. Um, and actually, I think uh, super fan isn't as bad as people make out. It's good. It's, it's reliable. You know. Yeah. It means you can guarantee the ball goes to someone. I really like it against say uh, a shark team because you know he's going to score turn one even if he kicks or receives. So being able to guarantee not going to mess you up, doesn't it? You know, yeah, scatter can yeah, be yeah. bad. Yeah, it's really handy for that. And 
other teams that want to control it and don't want to waste resources going to go get it, like Hunters and that, it's it's not a bad card. It's not as uh, bad. I think um, I think obviously the momentum issue. If you lose a game because you've failed a, a plus three roll, that can be really bad. And um, I've heard some people say that you know these cards will help help curb that. I don't think the world as most people think they are because those swings will still happen because both people will have cards that have values on. So people will still people will still lose rolls that are like that. It will still happen. I'm, I'm not sure until, until we see them and play with them, but certainly I'm quite interested to see them, and I think they'll be embraced a lot more than some of the other changes have been in terms of... Like, yeah, I don't mind... <coughs> like, losing that dice roll is is rough, but it's a cinematic moment. It's like, these things happen. Dice are dice. Like, sure, it's not nice. you like, losing a, ga- a game on a 50-50 dice roll, like, because you've got to go first or second or even... It can you be know, quite the negative play experience, though, if you're set up to win and basically someone basically chooses a win because they get plus three. It has happened to me. It's happened yeah, to me. me. Yeah, but I think um, I think I think some people, some people might think it has has um it, it might help temper that. I'm not sure whether it will as much people think it is. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. It's I don't know. dice to dice is my view on it. Yeah, yeah. We'll like, see. People say like they don't like. It losing a game because of dice roll. Fundamentally, you lose every game because of a dice roll. And you win every game because of a dice roll as well, exactly. I believe. Yeah. So it's a dice game. So you'll have to deal with the dice somehow, yeah. one way or another. And, well, you just have to deal with it in, in short. So They are the children of Judas, and that's it. Yeah, but uh, that also, in a sense, also when you look at things that are reliable, like, for example, you mentioned Superfan, then those things are fairly... Uh, powerful in the same sense, for example, uh, you uh, so a character play that you pay for and it mm. happens. There's no dice involved. That also is fairly powerful. Uh, so those uh, certain things are things you need to keep as a part of your game plan, and it's an interesting uh, thing as well. Mm. If you want to use, uh, try to use the dice to get up clone, or if you just want to pay for it, I've. In many cases, uh, with vitriol, just uh, I'll, I'll pay for it. I'm not so sure I'll get it. And mm. uh, as soon as it's up, she's safe. And maybe one less momentum or two, but it's also less victory points to the other guy. Did, did Midas used to have clone? Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, right. I was just I thinking the alchemists used to have he three did. models that cloned, didn't they? He did when he had um, triplication, didn't Trip- he? He had that and clone, yeah. No. He was a fun guy to be around at a party. It was like Midas on the pitch, you can't have Gutter on the pitch, you can't scan do it. Or Fang Tooth, or Dust. Yeah, he's yeah, mm. go, go off then scream and kill the entire board. Mm. Good times. <laughs> that was before my time, but it does sound quite horrendous. Or when Midas can suddenly t- ha- um, turn on plus one damage and beat them to death with seven attacks. Yeah, yeah, because mm. his, uh, what, what is it? Was it still called Melting? What? No, Mountain Body's what Venom's got, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's the Promise of Fortune that you're thinking of, yeah? Well, he used to... It, it, no, his heroic used to be... He could have plus one damage... Plus two, plus plus one, two move, or plus one armor. Plus one armor, or plus one armor, yeah. Heroic, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I saw that card when on, had, like, on, the, the, on the model when I bought it, but it was invalidated. Man, he was good, wasn't he? Yeah. He still yeah. is, but he's just reined in a little bit. It's one of those, isn't it? You look at players that have been changed you think if the other two incarnations iterations of Midas hadn't existed how would people view him now Hmm. 
um, as a fairly strong captain, but by no means the strongest, more than likely. Uh, I suppose you can put it there. But uh, at least if you look at the, the, his stats now for win rates and such, he's just below or just around 50, I think. So he's, uh, uh, he's doing fairly, fairly well for himself. But still, uh, you don't. They, he's nothing like the two uh, bad boys on uh, on that stat, uh, Corsair and uh, the farmer. Ah, uh, Corsair. Yeah, he's a lovely fella. I don't know how he goes under the radar so often. Well, that's a good question. Also, for example, one of the last games we had on our on our channel was um, was Corsair versus Hunters, I believe. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I believe Corsair went to town and basically beat the, everything to death mm. and scored a goal too. What, by accident? Did it ha- hit his head and go in? Yeah, probably. You'll have a word with that fish player. I don't know what they're doing, scoring goals of Corsair. Uh, I, think, I think probably just a small accident with Sakana, I think. <laughs> that's, I was going to say, that's influence not spent hitting things. Yeah, so that's a bit uh, odd, I would say. But yeah, it's um, a very different play style. Uh, I had actually never played against Corsair before SteamCon UK this year. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Lucky boy. <coughs> Excuse uh, me. So that was a bit of a rude awakening. Actually, went fairly well. I have well, but, uh, against yeah. now. I've spent years having Corsair beat me up, but having Hammer against is quite, it's quite good fun. Yeah. I was going to uh, ask about the Norwegian sort of play style. Is it more of a fighting style, or is it more scoring? Like, do your games tend to go on? towards the end of the clock a lot or are they quite fast? They tend to go toward the end of the clock for most of the cases. It's rare we see very quick games but that's if you see Fish Fish for example then it's uh, yeah well it's fast. It's one one way or the other. Uh, It's a fair bit of focus on the footballing. I do notice that Uh, but it's one or two players, a few players, basically they're they're going for takeout city, and but the most are going for the two-two game or three-zero, depending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. It's just an interesting question. Like someone I come where I was hearing it the other day, the same thinking in England that the the north tend to go for goals more and the south tend to go for takeouts more. Mm. Really? Yeah, I can't remember where I heard it. it might have been, might have been roll better, but. I- I honestly can't remember. So if it wasn't them, I apologise. And if it was, then I don't apologise. The majority of the ones that uh, sort of we've played against would be the Northerners. So uh, we, we tend to end up, when we're coming from Norway, we tend to end up in Manchester. Are you uh, going to Vengeance? Uh, I am not, because of the simple reason it sold out before I even noticed it started. <laughs> yeah, that uh, happened. Yeah, fast. it happened. Yeah, it was insanely fast. I just barely noticed it was uh, started. But okay, now I know the date. Now can I fix something? Sold out. Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> get back, I, get back yeah. to the bench. Yeah, yeah. Go back to lunch. So yeah, that that was fast. Yeah, but uh, Jay's doing a great uh, job at it. So uh, what can you say? I'll probably be back up there at some point, but uh, I'm not sure it'll be for vengeance. Well, that's the, that's the year then. I think. I think we're about done. So hopefully it'll be um, mm-hmm. a fun, guildball-filled year for all of us. Um, and um, hopefully we'll see all the minor guilds come out um, soon. Obviously, um, that'll be it. So um, thanks for coming on, Stig. Um, of course. And um, follow me at single underscore at GB. 
and I'm still at jmountain82. Mm, have a Twitter account. Yeah, I do actually. Uh, it's at Stieg underscore under. I believe it is. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Hi. Thank you. Bye. Oh yeah. Thanks a lot for your time, Stig, and see you guys later. <laughs>